NYV Whitehall Glens Falls. Partly cloudy skies today, highs this afternoon in the 30s, partly sunny in Glens Falls, a high near 40 this afternoon, lows tonight around 30, and maybe some mixed precipitation tomorrow with highs in the 40s. Morning. This is Northern Light for Friday, March 1st. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Power outages continue across much of the southern and eastern Adirondacks after high winds Wednesday. Also, many skiers are criticizing Whiteface for unsafe trail conditions. The Olympic Regional Development Authority is bringing in an outside manager to assess. Recently, about 100 people took muskets, cannons, and cannons to the streets of Ogdensburg to reenact part of the War of 1812. We'll find out why they were into it. We are sad nerds, but I think we're much happier because we're a community. You know, we're a community of nerds. So I think that's a big part of it, but also, you know, the, the history part, yeah. keeping our local history alive. And we'll see how well reenactments educate folks on that history. Like everything in life, erosion wears it away. Think of how many old buildings in the town you live in are gone. The same is true of this heritage, this whole War of 1812 experience along the St. Lawrence. That needs to be preserved or it'll be gone. John Warren checks the trail conditions for us this first weekend of March. And if you're looking for weekend plans, we've got you covered. We'll take a look at the community calendar coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Seacom Credit Union, serving the financial needs of people throughout northern New York and northwestern Vermont. In person, online at seacom.org and on your smartphone. And by the Depot Theater in Westport, inviting all to take a journey without leaving the station. Learn more at depotheater.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. More than 9,000 people across the North Country are still without power after Wednesday night's windstorm. The largest outages are in the Adirondacks, according to National Grid and NYSEG. The hardest hit spots are in Warren County, where almost 2,000 customers are without electricity. A county press release says two warming centers are available at the Hague Fire Station and the Lake Luzerne Senior Center. About 750 customers are still affected in Essex County and about 840 in Hamilton, 480 in Herkimer County. With continued heavy winds yesterday afternoon, National Grid said its crews were facing extremely treacherous weather conditions as they worked to clean up debris, repair damage, and restore service. Skiers at Whiteface Mountain near Lake Placid have been raising safety concerns about snow piles, ice, and sticky wet snow on trails. A whistleblower criticized the mountain's management in a letter last spring, according to the Adirondack Explorer. Now the state agency in charge of Whiteface is addressing those concerns. The head of the Olympic Regional Development Authority met with longtime Whiteface pass holders and the former ski patrol director last week. One skier who was at the meeting told the Explorer they discussed un- they discussed 
discussed unsatisfactory trail conditions in the grooming and snowmaking teams. Orta is bringing in a manager from another of its ski facilities in the Catskills to assess the situation and make changes. Orta has invested hundreds of millions of dollars in Whiteface and other Olympic venues around Lake Placid in recent years. Forest rangers rescued a 73-year-old ice climber last week at Pitchoff Mountain in the Adirondack High Peaks. The man had fallen and injured his hip while climbing near the Jackrabbit Ski Trail. Rangers lowered him with ropes and stabilized him in a rescue toboggan. This was the rangers' third ice climbing rescue of the season. The DEC says ice climbing accidents have gone up this winter with more incidents than any other year in the past five years. An historic campground in Lewis County is getting upgrades. It's also led the county to revise its camping laws. Officials set up new rules for the camping facilities at Singing Waters Park in the town of Gregg and throughout county-owned forests. Julie Abbas reports. The Singing Waters Park campground in the foothills of the Adirondacks was established by Lewis County in 1957 with 10 tent sites and a simple wooden bathhouse. It's accessible by a little footbridge off Fish Creek Road. Lewis County Recreation, Forestry, and Parks Department Director Jackie Mahoney says the improvement efforts came out of public feedback as tourism has grown and evolved. Camping isn't the same as it was 20 years ago, isn't the same as it was 10 years ago. When the more than $450,000 renovation project is completed, Singing Waters will meet state campground standards for handicap accessibility and drinkable water. It will still be tent only, but it will have more toilets and showers, a picnic pavilion, and campsites that are all spruced up. Really a huge improvement that the county invested in to make this park amazing. Today, however, people are often using RVs for camping and hauling ATVs, so Mahoney has been getting requests for overnight parking in the county's managed forests. The revised law allows motorized campers, including RVs, to park overnight in lots throughout those forests for the first time. Mahoney and her team also built a series of short hiking-only trails to remote campsites near Beaver Flows and Brooks countywide. I would say that the county is trying to give back. Um, Recreation is a huge factor in Lewis County. We have a beautiful county and we love to show it off. So, you know, the more we can do that, the better. Under the new law, off-road trails now have a 25-mile-an-hour speed limit and camping permits are required for all campers, whether tented or motorized. There are also steeper penalties for violating the law. The Singing Waters Campground is slated to reopen on Memorial Day weekend. For North Country Public Radio, I'm Julie Abbas in Carthage. Listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's coming up on eight minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a few minutes, John Warren checks the trail conditions for us on this first weekend of March. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes right here on Northern Light.
Music by the Currys out of Potsdam. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation, making grants to nonprofits that address community issues of childcare, attainable housing, career pathways, basic needs, and more. Adirondackfoundation.org. And by the Osceola River Association, building solutions for flood resilience in Adirondack communities. Learn more at osceolariver.org. Last month, about a hundred people took muskets, cannons, and uniforms to the streets to reenact the Battle of Ogdensburg, part of the War of 1812. The U.S. basically tried to conquer Canada and take it from Britain, but most Americans don't know much about the war. Our reporter, Lucy Grindon, was one of those Americans up until very recently. She brings us this story. Company, make ready. Outside the Presbyterian Church in Ogdensburg, a group of men is running a rifle drill in the street. They're just practicing, so they don't actually fire their guns right now. Take aim. Fire. It's really cold out here, in the low 20s. I'm in my parka, but these guys are wearing pretty small, faded gray and green coats, similar to what U.S. riflemen had in the early 1800s. I know they have to be freezing. Why are you all doing this? Why participate in this? We're sad nerds. Yeah. (laughs) You're not wrong. We are sad nerds. But I think we're much happier because we're a community. You you know, we're a community of nerds. Uh, So I I think that's a big part of it. But also, you know, the the history part, keeping our local history alive. That's what they can all agree on. David Austin says they love history. He's a 46er and climbed every Adirondack high peak in period gear. You can read about marching through the snow in this one thing, but if you actually do it, it becomes more real. The point of all of this is to learn about history, specifically the War of 1812. Now I got to back up a little. I was a history major in college, a bit of a sad nerd myself. But here's everything I know about the War of 1812 going into this. It was fought by people in the U.S. and Canada and indigenous allies on both sides, Native Americans lost a lot of land, and it started in 1812. So I make it my mission today to find out whether historical reenactment works as a way to learn more about history. Inside, in the church basement, a bunch of officers stand in a circle. They're planning today's battle. So where do you want us to put the guns for the first firing? Where would you like to be? Well, I, at this point here. These guys should know what the War of 1812 was about. But they all give very different answers. Oh, it depends on who you talk to. Any legitimate student of history wonders what the War of 1812 was really about. Nothing really happens at the end. It was about, well, history teachers like to say that it's about um, British and pressing uh, American sailors into their Navy. But I think that the main cause was the fact that the British were sponsoring Native American tax on American settlements. This was the second war of the revolution. That's Tim Kreiderman from Madrid. He's president of the St. Lawrence County Historical Association, and he's in charge today. He says the war made this country stronger. It really defined the U.S. as a power uh, onto itself. That's Kreiderman's perspective. 
But this is a first in my journalism career. He also wants me to talk to the other side. Would you like to talk to the British? Definitely. Okay, I'll take you over. Don't believe anything. (laughs) That's right. Follow me. I'll give you the commanding officer. He takes me to the Canadian lunch table to a man in a classic red coat. I'm Major David Moore, and I'm the commanding officer of the Canadian Fencibles, a regiment of Canadian infantry from the War of 1812. And today I'm also the British Army commander here at Ogdensburg. And what's your name in real life? That is my name in real life. Oh. (laughs) I guess in real life, I'm only a captain in the Canadian Army rather than a major here. Moore's a real present-day Canadian Army captain. Here's his perspective on the War of 1812. We won. It's that simple. You invaded us, we fought you off. Moore says the war cemented the split between the U.S. and Canada, which had happened during the American Revolution. The colonies that became the U.S. left the monarchy. Nova Scotia, Quebec, and others didn't. Yes, everyone knows the 13 colonies broke away. Yeah, out of the 18, the other five stayed on. And the War of 1812 confirms that, that no, we're going to be two separate countries to the present day. One Canadian is here today to learn about what her own family went through back then. I have ancestors that were at this battle. Amanda Hoffman is descended from German immigrants. They'd originally moved to the Mohawk Valley in central New York, but they stayed loyal to Britain during the revolution. They were imprisoned for being loyalists and then fled to Canada when they got out. They weren't the traitors, you know what I mean? They're very much loyal to a monarchy. Hoffman says she's learned a lot about her family through reenacting, including, get this, that she's distantly related to Tim Kreiderman from the County Historical Association. I have a lot more questions, but there's no time to ask. The battle's about to start. At the time of the actual battle, the St. Lawrence was frozen over, so the Canadians crossed on foot. The reenactment starts on a street near the river. A neighbor lets me stand on her front porch to watch. Very quickly, the learning gets real. First, we learn how loud a cannon can be. Oh, oh my good grief. I can literally feel the sound every time one goes off. I learned that soldiers would not have worn earplugs because they would have needed to hear where the shooting was coming from. The battle moves towards the center of town, past the library and a pizzeria. Some women follow, dressed in period clothing, long skirts and shawls. I learned that Canadian women crossed the river after the battle to steal stuff from the Americans' houses. Barbara O'Keefe is president of the Fort De La Presentation Association. Silver dishes, there's a report of one woman going over the next, sometime afterwards, for dinner. And dinner was served on her dishes. The U.S. lost the Battle of Ogdensburg, and the town was sacked. Residents fled to Heuvelton and Canton for shelter. Afterwards, the British were able to keep their supply lines open along the St. Lawrence River for the rest of the war. After today, it's obvious to me that historical reenacting is a great way to learn about the past. Captain David Moore says it's about protecting heritage. Like everything in life, erosion wears it away. Think of how many old buildings in the town you live in are gone. Think of how at Christmas at your own house, there are empty seats every year. The same is true of this heritage, this whole War of 1812 experience along the St. Lawrence. That needs to be preserved or it'll be gone. A few different people also tell me this. If you don't learn your history, you'll wind up repeating it. And I'm just going to add this to that. 
If you do learn your history, you may find yourself trudging through the snow with your feet going numb, reenacting it. Lucy Grinden, North Country Public Radio, Ogdensburg. Listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, John Warren checks trail conditions for us and we'll take a look at the community calendar. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. We'll take a look at an app that helps you hear high pitched bird songs. That's coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Mix of sun and clouds on this March 1st, St. David's Day, with highs this afternoon in the 30s. The weather service says sunshine in Glens Falls, Lake George. George. Light winds out of the southwest, partly cloudy tonight, lows overnight in the 20s. Tomorrow we'll see some mixed precipitation depending on how mild it gets. Highs expected in the low 40s, light winds out of the south on Saturday. Sunday, partly cloudy, low 50s for highs. And then Monday and Tuesday of next week, partly cloudy skies with highs in the 50s near 60 in the afternoon. Right now uh, in Canton, Uh, The Weather Service says cloudy skies, 21 degrees. And here is John Warren with a look at outdoor trail conditions for the weekend. On Saturday, sunrise will be at about 6.30 and sunset at about 5.46. We seem to have left winter behind this week, at least according to the long-term forecast. After a chilly day yesterday, forecasters are expecting some mixed precipitation shifting toward rain tomorrow, especially in the southern Adirondacks. Then we'll see a sharp warming trend through the weekend. It may be mild at lower elevations, but winter remains in full effect in the high peaks. Summer temperatures there are expected to be mostly in the 20s today and 30s this weekend. Trail conditions will be icy, especially in sheltered areas and in the mornings. Carry traction devices and snowshoes if you're headed to summits. And everywhere expect to encounter blowdown from the high winds we saw earlier this week. There remains a bit of patchy snow at lower elevations at the periphery of the Adirondack Park, where mud season is fast approaching. There is about 3 to 7 inches of snow at most lower elevations in the central Adirondacks, with about 6 to 12 inches of snow at mid-elevations. There remains a couple feet at Lake Colden and deeper snow at the highest elevations. Expect ice on lakes and ponds to be generally soft and unsafe this weekend. Rivers and streams are generally at normal levels for this time of year, except in the central Adirondacks, where deeper snowpack means more snow melt. Backcountry skiing can no longer be recommended. There is very limited cross-country skiing, but there are a few trails to be found, Mount Van Hovenberg will have some of the competition trails open. Call ahead to the other facilities to see how they fared after this week's warm-up. Whiteface, Gore, Oak, and Macaulay remain open this weekend, possibly the last. And snowmobiling is done for the season. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. 
You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Monica Sandresky here with Todd Moe. It's about 20 after 8. And we want to let you know about a couple of the events going on throughout the region this weekend, including uh, today at the gallery at the Lake St. Uh, Lawrence Arts in Waddington. Weaver Susan Riley will be the featured artist at the gallery. She'll be showing many examples of her weaving techniques from scarves to sculptures. And she'll also be available to to discuss and demonstrate her work today. You can find out more information at lakestlawrencearts.com. That's in Waddington and St. Lawrence County. She'll also be available um, on March 23rd, but uh, she's also available today too. Find out more again at lakestlawrencearts.com. We're media sponsor for the opening reception of the Out of the Box exhibit at the Downtown Artist Cellar in Malone. It's a week from tonight, Friday, March 8th at 5 p.m. This exhibit features artwork from regional women whose work challenges conventional boundaries. The reception is open to everyone. For more information, check our website, ncpr.org slash calendar. That's the Out of the Box exhibit, the opening reception at the Downtown Artist Cellar in Malone next Friday, March 8th at 5 p.m. And, of course, on Northern Light, we are huge fans of our local musicians. And here to tell us more about an upcoming music showcase this weekend is our Adirondack reporter, Emily Russell, who is dropping by the show to let us know more. Emily, how are you this morning? I'm super good, Monica. How are you? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I feel so seen. Thank you, Emily. I'm doing really well. Thank you. (laughs) But, yeah, what's, uh, what's cooking with this local showcase? Okay, so every weekend in the Adirondacks, and I think this is true all around the North Country, you can always find good local music, whether it's at a local bar or a hotel or cafe. Um, But this weekend in the Adirondacks in Saranac Lake, one venue is hosting six local bands. So the Waterhole is hosting two shows, one tonight and one tomorrow night. And there are three local bands each night, which is just super exciting to get to see, you know, so much great local talent here in one place. Yeah, that uh, that is, we, I feel like the region is pretty good about having um, these these festivals. The Waterhole especially is just really great about showcasing multiple multiple acts. I think also of the, the Greenwich Folk Festival that's, uh, that's uh, this weekend, but um, for the waterhole, uh, what's what's happening tonight? Yeah, so tonight there are three bands: um, Spring Street, Plowman's Lunch Band, and Mojo Dojo. That's again happening tonight at the waterhole, twelve dollars at the door. And these are bands that, um, like I said, play all around the Adirondacks, but they get you get to see them tonight in one place and. Um, I got to say, I was. we're going to hear a little bit of, of music um, in just a few minutes of, of a band that's playing tomorrow night. But these are bands that, that play a lot around the region, but don't have a big you know, presence online. So you can't just easily stream their music online. So, so if you want to hear these bands play live, go tonight at the Waterhole. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great, you know, kind of folksy music, um, hopefully good dancing music. The Waterhole is such a great venue for that. Yeah. Um, so again, three bands tonight. And then tomorrow night, again, $12 at the door, The Waterhole is hosting Nubble, 80K players and Midnight Stargazers. Right on. That's great. That's great. I know it is always just so good to go hear live music, be able to like the dance floor there is just perfect. It's a, um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's just wonderful. And uh, you've picked out some music for us, too. Yeah, so um, this is a song by the Saranac Lake-based band called Nubble. And um, I just, before we hear this, because I'm not a musician, and I'm just so impressed by people who can play music, but all of these people have, you know, normal day jobs. So yeah. um, the music you're about to hear is is so amazing. But just remember that these people are in your communities and music is not, you know, their main career. Um, but yet they're just so talented, which is just really exciting that we get to see them play this weekend. So this is a song called Tucson by the Saranac Lake-based band Nubble. And from their performance live at Riverside Park, too, That's at right, Saranac yep. Lake. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Em. Thanks.
That's the song Tucson by the group Nubble, based in Saranac Lake. They're part of the Waterhole Music Lounge's uh, local showcase this weekend. Uh, tomorrow night, they're going on tomorrow night alongside the 80K players at Midnight Stargazers. And tonight, you can check uh, the group Spring uh, Spring Street. Maybe you've seen them at Racket River Brewing or P2's Irish Pub. Um, Mojo Doja will be there along with Plowman's Lunch Band. They're sort of a mix of Americana and rock music. Plenty more to find out from the Waterhole Music Lounge in Saranac Lake. Tickets are $12 at the door. And that's it for Northern Light for this first day of March. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Mo. Thanks for listening. Be well. And I've been smoking for a while.